I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 Precision Farming Dealer Podcast Series. In today's program, we assemble a geographically diverse group of eight different precision farming managers to discuss their involvement and interaction in a virtual peer group to exchange ideas, problem solve, and provide a source of professional therapy. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Well, collaboration is usually the answer to solving a complex problem, and precision farming is no exception. Peer groups are a common way for small, independent dealers and larger, multi-store OEM retailers alike to share ideas and strategies. While in-person meetings provide valuable face-to-face contact, the chaotic schedules of precision managers don't always allow for coordinated sessions. In 2018, a group of John Deere precision farming managers, organized by Phil Moskal from Midstate Equipment, began communicating via text message to assist each other with troubleshooting infield problems or trading insight on new products or services. Geographically diverse by design, the group has evolved in size, but maintains a non-competitive dynamic while also encouraging candid exchanges. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, we share excerpts from my conversation with eight members of the peer group who share their takeaways, expectations, and future goals. To start out, I just wanted to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and maybe just say a few words about their role, their dealership, their location, and then uh, we can kind of get into the questions. So, Phil, why don't we have you kick it off? Phil Moskal, Integrated Solutions Manager at Midstate Equipment. We're located in South Central Wisconsin here. Been with the dealership for 10 and a half years now. Handle all the precision stuff. Rudy? Rudy Rotz with SEMA Equipment, six-store dealership in southeast Minnesota. I'm the IS manager, been with the company six years now. Arthur? With Integrated Solutions Manager for Shopless Farm Supply, we're on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Been with the company for 12 years in the uh, Precision Ag Department since 2012. It was just me when we first kicked off, and now we're up to uh, four people in my department, so we're growing. Chad? Chad Lance with uh, TTG Equipment. We're a seven-store dealership in North Central Indiana. I've been with the company for my 30th year and uh, been Precision Ag Manager since 1995. Matt? Yeah, Matt Wright. Uh, we're in Legacy Equipment, Northeast Arkansas in the Boot Hill, Missouri. Seven-store location. Integrated Solutions Manager. I've been here for almost five years. Prior to that, I worked for a large operation, about 20,000 acres, farm manager and crop scout for that guy. Come from both sides of the fence. John. John Marshall of Greenwood, Mississippi. Been the Integrated Solutions Manager here for 14 years. Was a previous John Deere dealer for another 15, so right at 30 years of uh, experience with John Deere. And last but not least... Corey Richter with Tractor Central, Integrated Solution Manager for seven years, previous parts manager, service manager. I'm pushing about 20, I guess, somewhere in there, but we've got 10 locations. We're just north of Phil. Perfect. You know, obviously you guys have developed a, a nice network here and certainly my experience talking with different dealers, particularly on the precision side, you hear a lot about the importance of the communication, not only within a dealership, but externally and being able to have a network of, of support and your peers that you can kind of rely on and call and 
whether it's for parts or advice or just troubleshooting. So the first question I had for the group was, how did you kind of get involved in this as far as the network here? Was it something that kind of happened organically or was it something that was a little more structured? John, why don't you kick it off and give me your take on this? Well, I can tell you, I was talking to Phil one day and he sent me a text, you want to join this group? <laughs> so that's how I was invited to join after they had it already established. But for me, it's a good opportunity. There's nobody within my dealership that uh, sometimes you can reach out to and leverage some information they have. So it's a good venue to be able to ask questions and get multiple answers from all over the country, but everybody does something a little bit differently. Also a good place to vent frustrations because they know what we're going through as well. Absolutely. Chad, what's your take? Most of us get together once a year or twice a year with some sort of John Deere meeting and we see each other and we sit around a table and we have discussions and we thought maybe it would be good to be able to have these discussions year round. So Phil was kind of the ringleader on forming this group. Once again, it's a great source of knowledge. Sometimes it's faster than some of the processes that we are required to do for John Deere to get information. And like John said, this is a great form of therapy for some of us <laughs> to get them frustrations out and bounce them off each other. And then we're not targeting them towards our families and our wives and things like that. So, Sure. Rudy, how about you? So like everybody else said, Phil's kind of the mastermind behind this. I think when he first created it, Phil, did you almost poach everybody off the bulletin board? Kind of the active users? No. So what I did is I was looking at this because I kind of figured this question had come up. And previous work experience, I keep everything. So I have text messages from three years ago on my phone. And I was going back through them because I kind of had an impetus of how it started. And Jeff Buick, who didn't join us today, but is also in the group, he sent me a video message, said, hey, do you got any other guys I want to show this to? So back in December of 18, I sent out a text message to most of us central dealers, Corn Belt dealers, said, hey, take a look at this. And there are some that had fallen off already and some that are still with the group. And kind of over time, it got too big for text message. So we moved to a different platform. And as it's gone along, we've kind of added people that are mostly non-competing dealers. So we can, again, share what we're doing and not have a worry that John's going to come up and poach one of my customers or Arthur's going to come up and do something in my territory. So that way we can be open and honest with each other. Because like everyone said, it's therapy and then it's a lot faster to get stuff done and we don't have to worry about anyone else coming in and using it against us. Absolutely. So it looks like we just had somebody else join us. Hey, this is Carl with Hudson. I don't have long, but I'm wanted here for a few minutes. Perfect. I appreciate you making time. Appreciate the invite. Yeah. Arthur, maybe I can hear from you then, since Phil really summarized a nice overview of the group and its formation. I'll ask you then, what do you see as kind of your biggest benefit or takeaway from being a part of this? I know the word therapy was used a couple of times here, but I'm wondering if there's an example or a situation that comes to mind that we're calling on these guys or uh, being able to get in touch has really proved useful. Yeah, it's a great tool for that. It's another resource. I don't want to steal John Deere's line that it's another tool in our toolbox, but it absolutely is. These guys see problems that we're all going to see eventually, and we all see problems, so they're probably going to see eventually. And it's best if we're all on the same page dealing with these problems. John Deere's JD Link, the 2G phased out, 3G fixing to be phased out, going to 4G, and so on. That's a big deal for us as the engaged acre metric keeps us going. How different people use that and deal with that on a daily basis has been a huge benefit to me personally and then for the dealership. And then as far as the therapy is concerned, Rudy's top dog on therapy. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Leave it at that. 
Matt, how about you? Uh, what are you seeing as kind of your biggest takeaway if, if there's something that stands out as far as being a, a part of this? Well, I feel said earlier, you know, we're able to share stuff and don't have to worry about a, a neighbor dealer you picking up on a competitor. I come on about a year ago, and how I came on was through an invite from a guy that's not on the call with us, but him reached out and established a good peer relationship. Well, that's how I came on. And I guess, yeah, therapeutic and just being able to share information and not worry about where it's going because I may run across a problem and see where some of these other guys, hey, they were talking about this last week. Oh, now we're getting into the same problem, and it's an easy fix and just a way to share information. That's the best thing about it. Perfect. Carl, how about you? Yeah, I'd say um, I don't know that I can go down the therapy road, but I'm not near as much touch of my feelings as Phil is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so uh, I think for me, what it comes down to is there is a certain group of people within each dealership that just know the machine. They are the consultants of that company. And at times, let's just be honest, we don't know. Okay, we're learning new every day. And there's a percentage of people we have to go through at John Deere to be able to get to the actual person that knows the answer. And we're all dealing with pretty new stuff or new to us. Uh, some of our businesses have a higher degree of adaption uh, for precision and things like that than others. So some of them are further along maybe in a planner than other people. And some people are further along in manure spreaders than another person or something like that. So we're incredibly diverse in that aspect. But whenever you hit the group text, you're talking to the best of the best in that organization on that product. And most likely they're going to get you pretty close to headed in the direction you need to be in. You might not be exactly on the problem, but they're going to get you pretty close. And that's hard to find because this AMS world is Look, John Deere doesn't always have the answer. It's a tech thing. And you're going to have to sort through it and try to figure it out with them and brainstorm with them. So when you can do it with a group of people that are experts, it takes and makes you that much more efficient in your role uh, in a big way. Corey, how about you? I stay pretty silent in the background. You probably don't hear from me at all. But I take a lot of the impulse, and everybody said it pretty clear. I'll give an example because it's kind of what you're asking for. But a couple of years ago, we had a situation where a lot of lats were just freezing up. And Phil tipped us off to, hey, we got to backdate the controller software on this chopper. That's just something you're just not going to get from here. And so when we backdated software, we fixed our lab issues. So there's just things that, you know, that's a very specific example. But that's kind of the thing that's going on. When you're thinking about some of that information that certainly you guys are going to either hear, uh, whether it's communicated directly from deer or it's things that you need to troubleshoot independently, are you guys generally pretty proactive in sharing something within the group? Say, hey, I came across this or I figured this out. I think probably come across this maybe with a customer. Here's something that might be a good FYI. Or is it a little more reactive where you guys are going to reach out for some advice or for some input on a particular project? problem. Phil, what's your take? I think it's a little of both. To be honest, that's why I added all the guys from the South because they're the unofficial software testers for John Deere. They get hit the fields first and uh, they find all the bugs. No, just kidding. But no, it's kind of both. We'll ask questions and say, hey, I got this problem. What do you guys see? And maybe one of us saw it a week ago and remember what to do. Or I know Carl's done a couple times said, hey, here's a heads up. This software does not work. Do not do this. So he's being more reactive, but it's helping all of us to be proactive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of how this is supposed to work is one person may encounter the problem, but it helps everyone else figure it out or get through it. You guys more uh, in the southern part of the country, what perspective do you bring? Because I know it's a pretty diverse group here. Certainly different cropping styles, different climates, different seasons. 
Arthur, from your perspective, you bring that Southern experience, but obviously you're connecting with a lot of guys from the Midwest as well to get some advice from them. Well, the, as far as what we see down here, the, we're first in lots of things as far as like our crop rotations. We're, we're first to harvest. Our corn's tasseled. We got ears on the stalk already. We'll be the first to harvest. We always are because of our location, of course. These guys are probably, it's typically been a two to five year that they've got a head start on us and the technology adaption than our guys. So it's great. I'm seeing stuff that they've already dealt with and fixed and that kind of thing. But as far as like, hey, you may want to check this on your combines or prayers or what have you, we're typically first in dealing with that. Being down here, we're not frozen three to six months out of the year either. So we're running 365 if it's not wet. Now, they don't have to deal with hurricanes, but that's a different ballgame too. Uh, And the bell pickers, we just had a big meeting yesterday. I was hoping Dusty was going to be on here. There's a big discussion in the cotton belt about plastic in the cotton, that it's starting to become a bad reputation for the U.S. cotton market. So that was a three and a half hour meeting yesterday. And, you know, that's something a lot of these guys don't have to deal with because they don't find cotton up. Anybody else want to comment on the geographic aspect and what they're seeing versus their area and somebody else's? This is John again. We're down in the south and all these guys are what I would call top of the line at what they do. And even though we might not do the same thing, we raise cotton and uh, they raise canola. I've never, besides uh, going up there once or twice, I've never seen a canola plant a couple of times. But just because we're different, we can learn things that they experience, things they see, even though we don't have the same type of equipment, we typically will wind up seeing the same kind of problem somewhere down the road. So we lean on each other a lot, even though we are different parts of the country and do different things. And just like Arthur said, some things, uh, the South is always five to six years behind the Midwest as far as adoption of some of the technology. So that's always good that uh, when we start adopting to it, uh, they've already experienced it, so we can learn on them a little bit. And we are their test for software. (laughs) Yes, we are that. And this is Carl. I don't mind chiming in on that one, too. I'll say this, that I feel like the majority of the people on the call we're all put into situations where we just don't know because it's either something new from John Deere or something we haven't really been around or something like that. And so if I've got a few months or a couple months ahead leap on Phil or somebody else and I run across something or something along those lines, I know instead of him tripping over that rake in front of a customer or whatever, uh, just to pitch that out there, hey, don't update this or don't do that or whatever, because we're all going through the same learning curve as John Deere is learning how to be a technology company and, and we're learning how to be that sort of technology partner. And so I think more of this is going to have to happen in some regards. Uh, or we're just going to keep tripping over the same rakes and keep falling on our faces in front of each other. Sure. So obviously, I mean, you mentioned the problem-solving element there and, and the opportunity here to uh, share insight, whether it's regionally or just more specifically within your dealership. Anything that any of you maybe have implemented or learned through this communication that you guys have taken and then implemented in your dealership on the precision side, uh, whether it's service side or uh, a product uh, aspect or something in terms of training or education, you learned through the contact with the group and found out something that somebody was doing. And again, Phil, you mentioned the non-competitive aspect, but certainly there's got to be some idea sharing here from a business standpoint that you guys are doing. Yeah, I know they got the current 
light up the fleet program going on and we were all trying to figure out how to get because deer insisted on getting some signed POs and making sure everything is by the book so that customers understand what's going on and we understand what's going on and so we kind of all shot back at each other of hey how you guys doing this and how you making sure you getting consent and everything else like that and so that was kind of thing well we're all doing pretty much the same way or variations of the same thing to make sure that our I's are crossed and T's are dotted. Rudy, how about, about you? Anything that comes to mind? I mean, obviously, most of you have a fair amount of experience here, but you're certainly probably dealing with some newer employees, younger employees that maybe uh, aren't as experienced. Anything out of this that's kind of been beneficial with a management standpoint? Well, I think us as IS departments, our department managers, I mean, we're not just responsible for the IS department, but it seems like we're responsible for making sure the sales department is competent in what they're selling. So it seems like a lot of us have some, if you want to call them like test programs in the works right now. I had mentioned to the group that I'm doing this SEMA certified program. And a lot of guys said, well, keep us posted on how it works and what the outcome is. If Because Deer has this big mainstreaming push but they can't tell us what mainstreamed is in a dealership size. So, you know, this is like one step for SEMA to be mainstreamed is to get these salesmen up to snuff on what they're supposed to be selling. So that's why, you know, we're doing that with sales and service and parts. So like I said, it's kind of a test program right now that I started. And I know a lot of guys were curious as to how it goes. And every dealership is different, but we all share what we're doing to try and achieve the same goal. So it's just kind of like there's a lot of follow-ups within our group on, okay, this worked or it didn't go anywhere. So that's what's nice about this group is, I mean, we're just so open about what we're doing because like Phil had mentioned, we're not really competing dealers. I mean, some of us are pretty close. We might butt orders, but we're not to the point where we'd say we're competing and we're not going to talk about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think from a management standpoint, we keep each other really well informed on what we're doing and what we're trying and what the results are. Chad, do you have any thoughts on that subject? No, I think we do a very good job of communicating business strategies with each other just because we don't compete. I can remember asking a question a a while ago about a process that I was looking to implement. And and some of the guys says, you know what, I did that and it didn't work and here's why. And it, it allowed me to tweak before I even launched, so to speak. So it made me a little bit more successful. And then uh, even just with this group being able to, once in a while, you know, you run out of a product. <laughs> hey guys, got any receivers? Yep. You know, it's easy to grab. You know, that we help each other with new inventory and even used. Like what Chad said with inventory, with this group, we can actually get the inventory from our other dealers in this group faster than we can get it from deer. And there was one time I needed an activation and Scott, who's not in the group anymore, he bailed me out. I think it was like a Friday night at 11 o'clock. I had ordered it from Deer that morning at 8, and it still wasn't a good activation. But Scott just said, we'll figure it out later. Here's the code. Let's get it going. So it's great that not only are we working together on the dealership side, but we're working together on the business side to keep the products we need in the customer's hands. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a great example uh, just of that efficiency gain here and having somebody to call on. I mean, uh, it almost sounded like an example of a customer calling you at 11 saying, hey, I, I need this done. And if you can kind of call on somebody here in the group to say, hey, I need some help uh, and, and you're going to get a response. That's pretty beneficial. Last question I had, and, and I'll, I'll let you guys get back to work, but I've been fortunate to be a part of a, a couple of different dealer peer groups. And it's always interesting to kind of see that dynamic. And it's 
as you guys know, you, you kind of get out of it what you put into it. From a, a bigger picture perspective, what advice do you guys have based on your experience with this group for, for other precision dealers that may wonder on whether or not it's worth developing a group like this or having a network, an external network, whether it's their brand or other brands, on kind of the benefit of doing something like that? John, maybe I'll, I'll start with you if you've got a thought or two. Well, like I said before, you know, there's nobody in my dealership that does what I do. So when I have uh, pain points, there's nobody here that I can go really talk to that has experienced it. So this group is really good at giving you that uh, feedback. They're honest and uh, they'll tell you just like uh, what mentioned earlier. Hey, you know, I tried that. That's not going to work. Or, hey, yeah, uh, this is what I did and it's been very successful. So this group has been really good uh, as far as getting us information that we need to make our business better. Now, yes, it does need to be another group, sort of if somebody's going to create one, keeping in mind like Phil did, uh, try not to get neighboring dealers involved. Now, you know, we have some, of course, through buyouts and so forth that we are neighbors in some cases now, but we've worked well in the past together, and I think we can continue to do that even if some of us get a little closer. Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, pretty much what John said. Just keeping everybody together and uh, make sure what you can share is, is shareable. You know, trusting everybody. Like I say, it's a good way to vent. It's a good way to share information, problems. And uh, I've seen some stuff on this group so far that saved my department some time and money. I mean, time is money for us. And if I can pass some information on a fix off to one of the consultants that's out in the field. I've had this problem well. Like somebody said earlier, you need to backdate this software as I seen it on here last week. So it's really, it's really, really been great for me. Good. How about you, Arthur? It's just a great resource, and it's a, you typically get a timely answer where sometimes with deer you don't, or they're aware of a problem and they're currently working on it. And these guys have already seen it and fixed it, and we can get on down the road, save some money and time. Good. Carl, what do you think? Yeah, I think these guys are all over it. I mean, I think we're all in a niche position. We're between sales and between between aftermarket and trying to support our entire business as this consultant and this know-it-all expert on products that we've never seen before or products that we're trying to get moved through the business and out of our hands in this term of mainstreaming. And somewhere in the hustle of that, we find that we are a limited staff of people and big organizations that are trying to do this and we get hung up and the typical frustrations of that and needing to get advice, process advice, product advice, or something like that from someone in a like role. And you, you don't have that in your organization. And the, I think the other part of it too is, is that my assumption, and I do not know this, but my assumption is that a lot of the people on this group text are dinosaurs in their role. Hmm. Okay. But what I mean by that is this, that there are not, the life expectancy of an IS manager is not good. Okay. I mean, go to any deer meeting and it's like, oh, that's the new guy. That's the new guy. Okay. And so when you look at just what the vetted information that's coming through this chain, they're solid. And I care to say that these people have been in these roles pretty long or a pretty good while, especially well beyond the national average of an IS manager. And I think that speaks a lot of kind of the birth of this probably is that when there wasn't a resource within your dealership, you had to create something, right, uh, in order to have longevity in the role and provide the information and create value. And so I think it just came from out of more of necessity and resourcefulness in that aspect.
Well, thank you to each of the Precision Managers for sharing your perspective and look for more coverage of this discussion in Farm Equipment's Thought Leader series at www.farmequipment.com. You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 podcast series. For each of the John Deere dealers and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.